0: Our scripture reading this morning is from uh, Luke's gospel, Luke chapter 24, um, and surprisingly it's the reading about the resurrection as Luke records it for us. So beginning to read at verse 1 and reading through to the end of verse 12. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He's not here. He's risen. Remember how he told you, while he was still with you in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others with them, who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women, because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away, wondering to himself what had happened. Uh, Just just a couple of really simple points this morning. The first one I'm going to kind of move over fairly quickly because it's not the most encouraging one. And uh, today I think should be a day full of encouragement. But the, the first Easter Sunday was one of low expectations. Sadly, low expectations. None of the disciples or even the wider group of, of Jesus' followers had understood his teaching concerning the resurrection. Let me remind you of um, four things that Jesus had said that Luke records for us. One of them is in luke 922 the other two in Luke 1833 He says, "The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests and scribes, and be killed, and on the third day be raised." Uh, and then in Luke 1833 after flogging him, they will kill him, and on the third day He will arise. So there are four things Jesus predicts. He says, I'm going to be rejected. Uh, And the disciples had seen him rejected by the the chief priests uh, and even by the crowd that that cried out um, on on Good Friday, crucify him, crucify him. Give us the robber Barabbas uh, and take Jesus and kill him. He'd been flogged. They, They would have seen the the cruel marks of that flogging on his body uh, as he was led out to be crucified. And most certainly he'd been killed. John probably was there. Certainly the women were there. Um, They they saw the agony that Jesus endured uh, and they saw that Roman soldier thrust a spear into his side uh, and they saw the water and the blood come pouring out. Four predictions three of which have been fulfilled to the letter. And yet, not a single one of them expected the fourth to be fulfilled. It's it's pretty amazing, isn't it, when you think about it. Um, I, whenever I think of the kind of Easter morning, um, I always have the, uh, the, the tomb uh, in Jerusalem in my mind, uh, and if you go to the tomb on Easter Sunday to, to the uh, the garden tomb, um, you'll find that there are all kinds of benches around, very much like this, so reminds me of it. Everybody kind of sitting around. Uh, and you kind of think, that's what should have happened on Easter morning. The disciples should have been there with their deck chairs or whatever, all sitting, watching the stone, waiting to see what would happen, how Jesus would come out. But they didn't they arrived with spices to anoint his dead body. That's all. And when they discover the stone has been rolled away, they're perplexed rather than excited. They don't say, oh gosh, now I remember. When they encounter the angels, they're afraid. There is, however, a real irony in all of this because... If you think about it, there were one group of people who did remember what Jesus had said. They didn't believe it in a saving sense. They they maybe didn't even understand it. But Matthew records this. The next day, that is the day of preparation, the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered before Pilate and said, Sir we remember how that imposter said while he was still alive, after three days I will rise. Therefore, order the tomb be made secure until the third day. Peter didn't remember. James didn't remember. John didn't remember. Andrew didn't remember. None of them remembered. Mary didn't remember. Nobody remembered except the Pharisees and the chief priests they remembered, but it didn't do them any good because it wasn't a, a saving faith. So that, that's that's my first point, if you like. It, it was a day of really low expectations. So second point then, it, it was unexpected and, un, and unanticipated, but it was a miracle. Unexpected, unanticipated, but Miraculous. To to sum up what we've been saying, um, they're only looking for a body when they go to the tomb. They're looking for the dead body of Jesus of Nazareth, their former master and teacher. They hadn't understood what Jesus had taught, they'd not believed what Jesus had promised, and they did not yet truly know who he was. We need to dig in, don't we, to the scriptures. Um, Acts 2.24 says, God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. Later on, the, the disciples understand, of course he rose. What else could conceivably happen? This is is the one that John begins his gospel by telling us he was in the beginning with God and he was God. This is the one who John tells us made everything and without whom was not anything made that was made. Just think of what the disciples had seen. They'd seen multitudes fed with a, a, a kind of picnic lunch. A few fish and a few loaves of bread. They'd seen blind people see. They'd seen lame people who'd never walked getting up and carrying their own bedroll back home again. They'd seen the dead rise. They'd seen Jairus' daughter. They'd seen the widow of Nain's son. And most staggeringly of all, they'd seen Lazarus, whose body was already beginning to decompose in the tomb. They'd seen Lazarus Step out of the tomb. They'd seen it all. But they didn't understand who Jesus was. The writer to the Hebrews in Hebrews 7 says that Jesus rose by the power of an indestructible life. Jesus rose for two reasons really. Or or there were two reasons that meant he would inevitably rise. One, who he was. This is God the son that we're talking about. Uh, And this is God's perfect son that we're talking about. So death had no right to him. Death gains its right by sin. It's sin that hands death the power over men and women. Uh, And Jesus had lived a life that was utterly and totally sinless. So death had no right to lay its hands on him. Death swallowed him, if you can. Think of it in these terms. Uh, And because of who he was, he burst death wide open uh, and came back to life again because it was not possible for death to keep hold of him because his life was an indestructible life. The resurrection is the verdict of God on the life and death of Jesus. I, I've stressed this a number of times over Easter um, on Good Friday and in Thought for the Day and so on, but it, it really is so important. It, it is the resurrection that proves that God was perfectly satisfied with the life of Jesus. If Jesus had committed one sin in his days as a what we would now call a toddler. Toddlers didn't exist in those days, did they not as a a group of people? Uh, If Jesus as a teenager, teenagers, if if he'd sinned as a teenager, then death would have had a right to him Uh, and death could have laid hold of him and kept him forever. And the final verdict is the answer of God when Jesus says, Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. Has he lived that perfect life? Is he the Lamb of God without sin and without blemish? When the the lambs were brought to the temple for the Passover sacrifice, they were examined to see if there was any blemish in them. If there was a nick out of an ear, it was thrown away. Um, If it had a, a lame leg, it was unacceptable. It had to be perfect. Good Friday is the Heavenly Father's examination of the Lamb of God. Easter Sunday is his resurrection and the vindication of who he is. So third point. Easter is all about from skepticism to faith. All about from skepticism to faith. Let's look at the different groups involved. The women. Verse 8. And they remembered his words. That's the, the first step, isn't it? To to remember what Jesus said what Jesus promised who Jesus is what Jesus has done uh, and then they they go and share it Mary Magdalene Joanna Mary and the others they they go from the garden to the room where the disciples were gathered uh, and they relayed everything that they'd been told they'd moved that one step away from skepticism they'd seen the angels they'd heard the words Now they they really were on the cusp of of real saving faith. They go to the apostles, verses 11 and 12. But the apostles said, no, it's an idle tale. It's false news. It's fake news. And they did not believe them. But Peter, we're told, did he? Doubt that this was an idle tale? Is this the the beginnings of faith in his life? I think it is because Peter, while everybody's saying, no, no, that's a load of nonsense, you've imagined it all. Um, You're just silly women telling silly tales. Um, Peter nevertheless gets up and he runs to the tomb. He's going to go to stroll, isn't he, if he doesn't believe it at all, to prove that they're wrong. Uh, And he sees, what does he see? He doesn't see Jesus doesn't see the angel according to Luke. He sees the linen clothes lying by themselves, and he went home marveling at what had happened. He's moving from skepticism to faith. Tonight, we're going to look at the journey on the Emmaus Road, Kepas and, and his companion, uh, and verse 21 of, of Luke 24 says, we had hoped that he was the one. By the time you get to verse 35, they're going back uh, and they're saying, ah, you won't believe what's happened. Uh, and the disciples say to him, oh, yes, we will, because we've seen him as well. Uh, and they share this common faith together. So the women now believe, and 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 the disciples believe, uh, and Teopas and his companion believe, except Thomas. Do you know, I, I want to start this Thomas Reclamation Club. Because poor old Thomas is always known as Doubting Thomas, isn't he? Simply because of this one event. But just remember for a minute, when um, all the disciples were saying to Jesus, just don't don't go to Bethany, Um, the Jews want to kill you. Uh, And it's Thomas who says, if he's going, let's go with him and die. Thomas is a, a man of faith. But despite the testimony of the women, despite the testimony of the other disciples, Thomas wasn't with them and so he didn't see uh, and he comes out with these famous words in, in John chapter 20 unless i see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side i will never believe and then John goes on eight days later his disciples were inside again and this time Thomas was with them. You never know what you miss if you don't turn up to the gathering of God's people. And although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Uh, And he addresses Thomas individually, personally. uh, And he says, well, go on then, Thomas. Put put your fingers into my hands. Go on, thrust thrust your hand into my side. You can see it's me. Uh, And Thomas doesn't do any of it. He simply says, my Lord my God, he's come on that same journey of faith. So let me ask you a question. Where are you on that journey of faith? You have remembered the story. You wouldn't be here this morning if you didn't know the story of Easter. But but where are you in, in terms of putting all of your faith and your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ? Let me let me just run one thing by you if jesus didn't rise from the dead who stole the body it's a simple question but but if you dig into the answer you come i think to an inevitable conclusion uh, and a lot of people journalists investigative journalists ha- have set out to find the answer to this question, who moved the stone? It was a huge stone. The, the women knew that, that, and there are a bunch of them, aren't there? Um, we've just read in Luke's gospel, there were, there were four of them named and there were others. So, uh, you know, women are not that weak, are they? they? They could shove this stone between them, surely to goodness. But they're worried about it. But when they get there, it's gone. It's, it's been rolled away. Well, who moved it? What you've got to have is motive and opportunity. To do anything, you need motive and you need opportunity. Nobody does something for no reason. You've got to have a reason. So let's look at the the contenders. Was it the Jews? Well, no, we've already said they were the only ones who remembered that Jesus said he was going to rise again. And they went to Pilate and asked for the stone to be put there. So there's no conceivable way that they're the ones who then changed their minds, took the stone away, moved the body, and didn't produce it. If the Jews had taken the body, the moment the disciples began to say, he's risen, he's risen, they'd have wheeled the body out on a bier and said, oh no, he's not. Here he is. He's as dead as a doornail. What about the Romans? Well, what for? The last things the Romans wanted was someone who'd been crucified with a plaque over his head saying, King of the Jews, to be believed to be alive. And, and, and they, they didn't. Um, in some later correspondence between one of the governors and, and uh, one of the emperors, um, the uh, the governor writes to the emperor and he says, it's all a fuss about somebody called Crestus who we crucified, but they think he's alive. So the Romans had nothing to gain. It was, it was everything that was not what they wanted. So who's left? The disciples. Well, all the evidence in the New Testament tells us they, they weren't even expecting it. They're hiding. Let me ask you this. Why, why, why would they steal the body of Jesus? motive. If the subsequent history of the disciples was that on the basis of this religion, you probably know the name Jung Sung Moon. Um, Jung Sung Moon, before he had a religious experience, um, wrote a book and said, if I wanted to become mega wealthy, I'd invent a religion. He then had a religious experience and, whoa, he became mega wealthy. Now, did the disciples become mega-wealthy as a result of this fraud that they're supposed to have perpetuated? Well, it's not long, is it, before we find them being flogged? It's not long before James, one of the the key three amongst them, is beheaded, uh, and, and the rest of them are embarking on a life of poverty, a life of hardship, A life of imprisonments and beatings. And for many of them, if not most of them, a martyr's death. Try and convince me. Try and convince yourself that they were involved in a conspiracy. And they were willing to allow that conspiracy to have them flogged, imprisoned, and killed. It doesn't hold up. Some people say, well, maybe he didn't die at all. Maybe he revived in the tomb. Rubbish. The scourging that Jesus endured was, was known as the little death. Some prisoners never made it as far as the cross. They, they died uh, under that scourging. So here's the picture. Jesus is scourged. He's then crucified. He has a spear thrust through his side. uh, And in the cool of the tomb, he wakes up, manages to push a stone away that the women knew they wouldn't be able to move, uh, and wanders off somewhere to revive himself. Let me ask you a question, which is easier to believe? Those fantastical stories Or that Jesus actually was who he said he was and did what he said he would do. Add to that what Paul is able to say to the Corinthian believers. He trots out a whole list of people who saw the risen Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, And he says, at one time he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers, and at the time he's writing, and this is quite a while after the crucifixion, he's able to say most of them are still alive. So it's not only the disciples that would need to be in a conspiracy, it's above 500 people that need to be in a conspiracy. No. And from that moment on, everything begins to change. The gospel writers refer to a new Sabbath, which they call the first day of the week, commemorating the fact that Jesus was risen. Uh, Paul says, when when you gather together on every first day of the week, Sunday, it's also called the the day of the Lord in in Revelation. It marks the beginning of a whole new era. Uh, And those timid disciples Afraid of of their own shadows. Even after the resurrection. Locked away in a room on the day of Pentecost. Which will come too soon. Are filled with the spirit. And with a boldness. that, That defies belief. They go out into the world. And they preach the gospel. And millions come to faith. In the Lord Jesus Christ down through the ages. Countless millions. The evidence for Easter is overwhelming so where are you on that journey of skepticism have you remembered what jesus promised do you believe what jesus has promised and are you living in the light of what jesus has promised cuz if you and i have a living savior that's transforming truth isn't it if we're simply here as a historical society remembering uh, wonderful things that happened a long time ago That isn't going to change how we live tomorrow. But if Christ is alive, if Christ is dwelling within us, then then our lives will truly be transformed and we'll truly be obedient to his word. We will remember that not only did he say, I will rise again. We will remember that he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. And we will remember that he said, I will come again. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you that the the evidence is overwhelming. The the evidence is compelling. Jesus is alive. He rose from the dead. And Lord, we we think of that, that chorus that we sometimes sing. You ask me how I know he lives. Thank you that all of us who know you can give the testimony. I know he lives. He lives within my heart, meaning he's, he's changed and transformed us, and we rejoice in him. Lord, make this such a special day, especially to any who maybe came with skepticism in their minds. Lord, I know my words won't convince them, but your Holy Spirit can. Bring them to faith in yourself, we pray, for Jesus' sake. Amen.